Good morning. It's so good to be back here with you all this morning. Um, it's hard to think that just a just a few short hours ago, really, uh, in respect to everything, we were hundreds of miles away, and now we were able to wake up this morning and be here to to worship with the family that that we have definitely missed. Uh, on this journey. We had a great time, uh, as, as Ronnie said, in the Magic Kingdom, uh, as Joe put it very accurately last week, uh, in the land of make-believe, um, but we are so thankful to be home. Last week we talked about being born again to a living hope, and I want to continue that study this morning uh, by going back to chapter 1 of, of Peter's first epistle to the church. Uh, we, we, we focus very uh, extensively on verses, uh, the, the first five verses of, of 1 Peter. I'm in 2 Peter. That's why nothing looks familiar to me on this page. We'll focus on the first five verses uh, of 1 Peter. Uh, and, and notice how Peter starts his lesson off declaring to us that we are pilgrims, that we are people that are that are seeking a, a, a home that is not found here, and that we are the elect of God. We have been chosen by God from the, the beginning of time to be made in the image of Him through the Son. And he went on to describe how that should change us, how that should, should motivate us and should reflect in our lives. And I want to continue that thought, jumping ahead a little bit to verse 13 now. In verse 13, we're going to find a series of exhortations, and I want to key on on what he says in regards to what we talked about last week in hope. So if you would, read verse 13 with me. He says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here we are charged to rest our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is calling us to bring our hope into focus. Sometimes I think we fail to do this as Christians. Our hope maybe can be clearly seen when things are going well, uh, when, when things are going the way that we, we believe that they should be going. But whenever circumstances arise that kind of knock us off kelter with where we think we should be, our hope begins to diminish. It begins to fade. Then Peter is talking about resting that hope on something. We need a hope that is rested, a hope that is strong and is anchored and is fortified, a hope that is firmly focused on the grace of God. Now what this means and how we accomplish this will be the, the focus of our lesson this morning. I want to begin by noticing that what he's saying here is that we have a responsibility we have a duty, a job, to have hope that is focused. That's the primary exhortation of this passage. In verse 13, he talks about some other things, and we're going to come back to them. The girding up of the loins, the beating sober. We're going to come back to those things that he talks about. But the main thing, the focus of the verse, is that resting our hope. Uh, the, these other uh, exhortations that precede it are going to, to be subsidiary to it. So let's consider what it means then, what it means to rest our hope. And I'm going to tell you right now, as a person who has walked, I don't know, 35 miles in the past week, I know a little bit about resting, uh, or maybe the lack thereof. I'm looking forward to some real good rest. Uh, maybe, maybe Monday would be a good day for some real good rest. 
But what does it mean to rest our hope on something? While we were, while we were at Disney, uh, we had to take the monorail from one part to another. And we got on the monorail and we sat down. And as we were maybe like two seconds out of the port where the monorail leaves, I look up and saw two handles above my head and thought that would be really good to rest my hand on those handles. So I reached up and put my hands on them and let the weight of my arms pull down on the emergency exit hatch, which promptly fell open. And now for the rest of the trip to, to where we were going, which took about 10 minutes, I had to hold the emergency exit hatch uh, shut because you have to have a tool to reset it. And if you open it, I'm assuming, I have no idea of knowing what happens, but in my mind, the brakes lock and we're going to spend two hours on this monorail about 40 feet up in the air. So, so I held it up until we got to the next spot. And when we got there, I was wore out. Ten minutes of doing, it didn't weigh anything, but holding my arms up like this for ten minutes, it gave me a new appreciation for, 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 for Moses holding his arms up and the, 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 the rod of God. Um, when, when the Israelites fought the Amalekites. I wanted to rest. I wanted to rest my arms on something. I, wanted, I was really looking for people that were going to give me a rock to set on and hold my arms up as we were on this trip. We need to rest our hope. Our hope can get tired. Our hope can get worn out. Our hope can, have the, can see the battles of each and every day. And, and we have this hope that looks to, to heaven, looks to the inheritance, to all the things that we talked about last week. But it can get tired. And God is saying through Peter, you, you can't rest your hope in yourself. You, can't, you're, you don't have the ability. I've not created you so that you'll be self-sufficient in, in providing that hope. You need to rest it upon something. The NSV says, fix your hope completely on the grace that, uh, on the grace that we talked about there. And so Peter's exhorting us. He's saying you need a hope that is strong and is complete and is not wavering. And to do that, we need to rest it upon something. And the cultivation of that strong hope, judging by what he says here, is our job. Our job is to develop. Our job is to fortify that hope in our lives. We need to cultivate patience. We need to cultivate self-control. We think of all these things that we need to be working on in our lives, have compassion and love for others, but how oftentimes do we think about actually cultivating hope in our life, actually building up the hope that we have? Because without it, our faith is, is, is possible to waver. Without it, we are subject to fear and to doubt and to depression. And all that compassion that we might have towards others might seem pointless if we don't have a hope that we are building up. So building up our hope is essential to being joyful and to being victorious as Christians. And that is the main point of this passage. An exhortation to fortify, to make stronger our hope, to grow in faith and love is important. But we see here, Peter is saying we need to grow in hope. And so to do this effectively, there are some things that we need to consider. One is we need to identify. We need to find out where our hope is focused. In verse 13, Peter says that it should be focused on the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It should be focused on that unmerited favor that we will receive when Jesus comes again. And that's alluded in these preceding 12 verses, everything that he's been talking about. And back in verse 4, he talked about uh, the, the inheritance that we will receive that is reserved for us in heaven. 
In verse 5, the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last days or in the last time. In verse 7, 1 Peter 1, verse 7. He talks about, uh, we read that together, it says, The genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We will receive praise and honor and glory at the coming of Christ. And verse 9 goes on to talk about how it's the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls. There will be a time when our faith becomes sight. No longer will we need faith because we will be living, we will be existing in in the eternal presence of God. All of these things that he's talking to, as you see in verse 13, are leading up to this statement. Therefore, because of this, our hope needs to be focused on these things, to be focused in the glory or in the grace of God. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the wonderful grace that He will bring. The wonderful praise and the wonderful honor and the glory that He will bring. The complete and final salvation of our souls from sin that He will bring. The receiving of our inheritance, which I'll remind you, the inheritance is that heavenly city, that, that incorruptible, undefiled, unfading inheritance that He has reserved for us. That's the focus of our hope. And as we previously stated, the main charge of this passage is to rest our hope firmly upon these things. So, having said all that, how do we accomplish it? How do we do that? How do we set our hope firmly? How do we, do, do we fortify and build up this hope? Well, now let's consider what he said just prior to that. Number one, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up is, a, is actually an oriental expression. And it refers to the act of gathering up the clothing. So the tunics that would be worn, the robes that would be worn that would extend down sometimes past the knees, oftentimes stopping at the knees, but they would gather them up between their legs and pull them up and tuck them into their belt to make a form of, of a short Because it's really hard to run in a tunic. It's really hard to get down to real physical work in a tunic. And so that tunic is going to impede that that ability, so they needed to do something to to remove that. They would gather up their their loose clothing around their waist, and, and that would allow them to work at full potential for what they were focusing their their efforts upon. We need to do that. But he says we need to do that with our mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. So using this metaphor, Peter is saying that you need to build up your hope. And that begins by working in your mind, working in your thinking. We must put out of our mind all the things that are going to impede, all the things that are going to distract us from developing hope. Things like worry and fear. Things like obsession with, with these, this material life and the goods of this life. And now I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that if you have experienced fear, then you must not have a lot of hope. When that airplane takes off to take us to Disney, there's a small part of me that is afraid it's going to end up in the trees somewhere. But I still have a hope that goes beyond that. I don't really want to end up in the trees. I want to end up on the tarmac of the next airport. But what I really want is to go to heaven. What I really want is to be with God. And so even though I experience fear, it doesn't distract from that. 
But there are times when fear does distract from that. When fear of how people will respond if we walk the Christian walk. If we build up this hope in our lives and allow it to move us in the things that we say and the things that we do. A fear that takes our minds away from that. More so on not what God will think and not how God will judge, but how the world thinks of us and how the world will judge us. An obsession with the material possessions of this world. Not having minds focused on that inheritance in Christ, but on the things that we can receive in this world. You see, what Peter is saying here, saying you need to get stuff like that away from you. You need to get stuff like that out of your mind. You need to gird up your loins because this is hard work, but it's work that is our job. And we need to be active in taking everything that's going to stand in our way and removing it from us. And then he says, be sober. The word sober means to be calm. And the word sober means to be collected. It means to be temperate, dispassionate, and circumspect. It's being in that state of mind in which an individual is self-controlled. An individual is able to see things without distortion, which can be caused by worry or fear. To be building up our focus and our hope requires calm and serious attention to the task at hand. You turn over to Luke chapter 21 with me for a moment. We spent all our time in 1 Peter, but I want to look over here at Luke chapter 21. Because in Luke 21, verse 36, Jesus is speaking to His disciples and He's talking about the importance of being watchful. And He says in verse 36, "...watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass to stand before the Son of Man." Now how can we do? How can we do what what Jesus is calling us to do if we are not sober-minded? Now, maybe right off the bat, we think of how can we do that if we are drunk? How can we do that if we are high? How can we do that if we are experiencing mind-altering effects of of, of substances today? And of course you can't. You can't be sober-minded under these effects. But just as distracting as these things, just as distracting as as this can be, is the effect that that the the things that we've talked about already can have on us. This worldly trust. We cannot cultivate cultivate and fortify a strong hope if we are so weak-minded that we allow worldly things to distract us. And I've seen this before, and I bet you've seen it before too. I bet you've seen Christians who hope in God. They trust in His will. They They are building up their hope and their trust But then something happens. Maybe a family member. Maybe a family member starts walking in a way that is is erring or is against the way of the Lord. Maybe hard things come upon them where they have to make hard decisions. And instead of turning to God, they turn away. They turn to their friends and their family. They refuse to give up the things that they, they want. They refuse to sacrifice their time. The fear even of just losing these things that have become so ingrained and so close to them causes them to give up the hope that God has given us. Causes them to forsake their true calling. When we think about sober-mindedness, and all too often we go straight to, to alcohol and to drugs. And I think we should. That's a problem today. 
That's a big problem today. But I think Satan has used that to mask the real dangers that we can find in seemingly less dangerous issues, such as worry and fear. We can't allow those things to pull our minds away and pull our hearts away from the calling that God has given us. John made a great comment in class that we are all called. Every one of us is called, but what is that calling? Peter tells us at the beginning, we're called to be pilgrims. We're called to be people who walk through this world, people who have friends and families and live in the world, but this is not our home. This is not the place where we are building our foundations. This is not the place we are setting up our eternal inheritances. This is just the bridge that's taking us closer to our home. We're to be pilgrims, but we're to know that we are the elect. We are the chosen of God. And we have a hope that is resting fully upon the grace that we will receive when Christ comes again. The problem is many Christians today... It's not that they have no hope. Christians are full of hope. But they allow their hope to be weak and their hope to be shallow because we are preoccupied with the affairs of this temporary life. Peter is telling us to remain faithful to the Lord. We need to hear and we need to heed these exhortations to build our hope up by freeing our minds from these things that hinder us and being a lot more serious about the kind of lives that our Heavenly Father would have us to, to live. If you still have your Bible marked over there in Luke, let's look at one more passage there. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40. Jesus says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master, when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, he will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Verse 40, we oftentimes emphasize the last part of that verse. At an hour you do not expect. That fills me with a desire to always be ready, to always be watching. But for my hope, for my hope, I want to repeat over and over again the first part of that verse. The Son of Man is coming. The Son of Man is coming. Have you given thought to that in your life? If not, I hope that you will. Maybe you're here this morning and you have been thinking about that. About the fact that Christ is coming again and He is coming to take those who are found faithful to Him to an inheritance that is undefiled, uncorrupted. He's coming to take you to be with God. Maybe you've been thinking about following God. Following Christ and following those that are, that are with Him to heaven. That life is reserved for us. That life is guarded for us. And for those that make a home for God in their hearts. Are you doing that today? Are you making your heart a home for God? Are you making your heart a place where this living hope that is rested upon His grace 
can abound and grow. If not, I invite you to begin to do so today by believing in His Son, Jesus the Christ, by coming to Him in faith and turning away from your sin, confessing Him, and being baptized into His death. If we can help you with that in some way, won't you please let it be known right now as we stand and as we sing.